Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 35 is entitled Letters of John to the Seven Churches, Part 3, Pergamos 1, Hidden Manna. In the book of Revelation, John writes seven letters to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The letter to Pergamos is the third letter. The letters follow a similar format. Four things are listed to the churches, virtues, vices, warning, and conditional blessings. It is the Savior who dictates the letters to John. Each introduction defines an attribute of Christ. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he that hath the sharp sword with two edges. Notice that the sword has two attributes. It is sharp and it has two edges. The sword obviously refers to the word of God rather than an actual sword, for it is introduced with the phrase, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword. The image brings to mind the adage, The pen is mightier than the sword. In this case, it could be that the word of God is sharper than the two-edged sword. It is a familiar image in the Bible. King David wrote, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon the judgment written, This honor have all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. Psalms 149, 6-9 Isaiah said, And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Isaiah 49, 2 Paul said, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians six seventeen. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrew 4.12 At the time of writing the letters, John is a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos. Persecution is increasing. The seven churches are located in Asia Minor, what is now modern-day Turkey. The churches are in the middle of idol-worshipping cities which worship the many gods of Rome, the main ones being Apollo and Caesar himself. The Christians in Asia Minor are relatively new converts. Since the strange vision of the Apostle Peter, the gospel is rapidly being spread among the Gentiles, and circumstances are very challenging. The first thing the letter does is to praise the saints of the Church of Pergamos for their many virtues. We learn that Pergamos is a very wicked city. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Obviously, the saints of Pergamos have very powerful faith, equal to the opposition. However, they are far from perfect, and are subject to the temptations that come from idol worship. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them there that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. 
So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. The story of Balaam is one of the stranger stories in the Old Testament. It is like a story out of Grimm's fairy tales. The following account is between Balaam and his donkey. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon an ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyard, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he say, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me, and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee, and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeased thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the words that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Numbers twenty-two, twenty-two through 35 But Balaam, a prophet, called by Joshua a soothsayer rather than a prophet, doesn't seem to learn much from his mistakes. He commits terrible sins before the Lord. He is eventually executed for teaching the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed into idols and to commit fornication. Those practices were all part of idol worship. Balaam becomes a cautionary tale. His name is held in contempt among the prophets for hundreds of years, and Balaam becomes a symbol of lasciviousness and libertinism. The apostle Peter gives the harshest condemnation of those who follow the philosophy of Balaam. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lusts of uncleanness, and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, 
bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord, but these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart that have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way, and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Second Peter 2, 9-15 Note that Balaam loved the wages of unrighteousness, meaning that he sold his services as a prophet for money, leading others to commit debauchery for his profit. Jude also comes down hard on Balaam for the same reason. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Jude 1, 11. The Nicolaitans are not much different. They pretend to be Christians, but generally practice the philosophy of when in Rome, much like the philosophy of today, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The letter issues a strong rebuke. Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. That is another reference to the two-edged sword. Remember how the Lord introduced himself in the letter to the church of Pergamos. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things saith he that hath the sharp sword with two edges. However, every one of the seven churches receives a promise if they overcome their sins and endure to the end. Keep in mind that the Lord is not just writing to a single church. The seven letters represents the entire church of Christ, and therefore every blessing is promised to every member of the church. The cautionary warnings and the promises are to each of us as Christians. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. The image of manna from heaven is familiar to all Christians. It was how the Lord fed the children of Israel in the desert. What then is the hidden manna? Since manna sustained the life of the nomadic Israelites for 40 years, we can assume that hidden manna also sustains life, only forever. It can only refer to Christ. The Israelites saw the manna, though they had never seen anything like it before. In fact, manna means, what is it? Christ, however, is invisible or hidden. In John we read, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves, and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do, that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign shewest thou then, that we may see and believe thee, what dost thou work? And our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John six twenty six through 35 Whereas the manna lasted only forty years, the bread of life lasts forever. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. John six thirty seven through 40 This concludes part one of John's letter to the church of Pergamos. In part one, we have presented the first promise made to those in the church of Pergamos who resist the sins of idol worship and lasciviousness and discuss the nature of the first promise, which is to all faithful Christians. The first promise is that those who overcome the natural man and endure to the end, they shall receive the hidden manna. In future podcasts, we shall complete the discussion on the letter to the Church of Pergamos with emphasis on the promises. Meanwhile, we invite you to continue to listen to our podcast, and please invite your family and friends to join us. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.